light out everybody what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of the lights out podcast i'm your host josh as always i'm joined in the studio by my co-host austin hey hey welcome back yeah it's good to be here and we've got behind the cameras we've got well actually he's in front of a camera now we got daniel the producer what's up man what's up everybody i just want to say first off on our last episode you know daniel was on camera a little bit more and just the comments in general we've been doing these live premieres on youtube which has been a lot of fun austin's on them every week oh my god we've had such a blast we're just shooting the shit i was on there for a little bit i usually am like kind of like creeping yeah and i'll i'll post something every now and then but i i do watch most of them when i can and just the comments and the conversation that's going on i mean we did the, the ouija board murders and, and all that there's a lot of opinions on that one. Oh yeah people were like you know cautioning us about playing with the ouija board yeah, people were like i wouldn't dare touch that and other people were kind of joking about it but yeah others were like yeah let's see that's that's content we want to see yeah so i just want to say thanks to everybody who has you know joined the premieres and you know participates in that and just all the amazing feedback on on the crew and everything and just you know that means a lot to me personally and i know to the rest of the guys just you know you guys being so welcoming and you know bringing him into this the show and you know the dynamic on here has just gotten so much better i feel like content's gotten better and you know the conversations that we're having is just i'm really enjoying it i don't know about you but yeah same and yeah come come hang out every friday in the, in the yeah 12 30 mountain standard time um or 2 30 eastern standard time is usually when we're going uh live with those episodes on youtube uh, but if you're not a YouTube person, that's totally fine. Make sure, though, you're watching the episode on Spotify because we also have the video over there. And we'd really appreciate it if you're making sure you're following us there and subscribing on YouTube. It does really help us out. But today's episode is brought to you by my CBD company, actually, Higher Love Wellness. I've got some new sleep products I'm excited to announce. And we've got stamps.com. But today we're going to be diving into a, another cryptid. It's been a little while since we've talked cryptids, and so I'm excited today to bring to you the Chupacabra. The Chupacabra. Very, very infamous one, should I say. Oh, you know, yeah. It's like one of the ones that, you know, when it comes to cryptids, people immediately go to. It's like Bigfoot, Chupacabra. I feel yeah. like those yeah. are the two big and, ones. And Chupacabra hits home, right? Because in the U.S., it's, and yeah. it's, it's also fairly new. So Right, right. We have a lot of chupacabra sightings in texas it seems like yeah so any of you texans uh have any stories regarding the chupacabra drop them in the comments so we'd love to see it so yeah we're going to be getting into the chupacabra and obviously like i've mentioned in previous episodes our next merch collection is going to be a cryptid collection so maybe the chupacabra just might make his way into that collection which i'm very excited to see how that all comes together hopefully we'll be announcing a you know date that that drops here in the next couple weeks i'm hoping but let's just go ahead and dive right into things. This is the Chupa Cabra. It's been a mystery since 1995, with sightings all over the U.S. from Texas to Maine. The legend says the elusive dog-like creature attacks livestock, bleeding them dry of blood. El chupacabras. O un chupacabras. Chupacabra. The Chupacabra. The legendary Chupacabra. Big, long, pointy ears long tail had no skin it's a coyote with mange come on before 1995 no one had ever claimed to have seen one 
An elusive animal said to feed off the blood of livestock. The first sighting allegedly in Puerto Rico. Could it be a blood-sucking chupacabra is on the loose? There have been thousands of sightings since then, but none has ever been verified. I'm seeing it, but I don't believe it. It's in the daytime. Pictures really don't do it justice. It is just freakishly weird. You don't know how to explain it, whether it's a chupacabra or not. Sometimes mistaken for a dog, a raccoon, or a wild coyote, the chupacabra often sneaks into local ranches, kills the livestock, and sucks the juicy blood out of the dead carcasses. A lot of strange photos have surfaced over the years showing a mangy beast with extraordinarily long fangs. Many have claimed to see this beast wandering at the edge of their properties or terrorizing their farms at night, and some have even claimed that the chupacabra has broken into their homes in desperate search of blood. The physical descriptions of the chupacabra vary depending on the region. The North American chupacabra is often described as a bizarre four-legged creature about the size of a large dog. Sometimes it's seen with no hair at all. Other times it has a very thin layer of dark hair. If you can get close enough to see, its skin tone looks bluish and shiny beneath its thin fur. Its back legs are usually much longer than the front legs, and its back has a crooked arch, giving it a grotesque look. Some say it looks like a cross between a canine and a kangaroo, which those combinations, yeah, it's a bizarre combination, <laughs> but a terrifying, terrifying one at that. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen those kangaroo videos, but kangaroos are. The people that live in the outback, I give you huge kudos because yeah. those things are mean, man. Strong animals, yeah. too. You see the, like, big, the, like, roided <laughs> Jacked, out ones? I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like they, Throwing they, some punches, yeah. And then they, they can fucking kill you, too, with their um their legs, their feet have these, like, long-ass claws on them, and they jump up and kick you and can, like, disembowel you and shit. <sighs> no thanks. <sighs> so a kangaroo, basically, like, it's like a kangaroo-wolf mix. Yeah, basically. Kangaroo with fangs? Yeah. I'm that out. Be scary I'm so shit, out. Yeah. Yeah. Be, yeah. You're screwed because you're not going to be able to outrun that thing. Yeah. That thing's not. And in the, the dead of night, too. With red eyes. That's terrifying. A lot of chupacabras are often seen being very scrawny. It's actually rare to see a well fed one, which for a good thing. And the only thing that can satisfy a chupacabra's hunger is eight pints of animal blood. The chupacabra's most distinguishing feature is its bright white fangs hanging from its mouth, and it uses these fangs to pierce through the animal hide and suck the blood out of its victims. In the U.S. territory of Puerto Rico, where the creature was first discovered, it actually looked more like a reptilian, which if you're not familiar, is a species of alien that's supposedly out there. So it's got this very alien-like appearance. Here, the beast is sometimes as tall as a human, and it stands on its hind legs. It has massive claws on the end of its front limbs. Like other descriptions, it has pearly fangs that curve out of its mouth. Some say it only has four massive fangs and no other teeth along its gum line. Resting behind its teeth sits a long, forked tongue like a snake. And on its back is an arch of visible spines that stick out of its body, reaching from its neck to the base of its tail. Other times, it has the wings of a bat jutting from its back, and its natural stance often looks like it's about to pounce. Some have reported that this cryptid has a screeching howl. 
It breaks the silence of night after it attacks its prey. But most claim that the creature is completely silent, stealth-like. It prowls, attacks, and then leaves without making a single sound. The first reports of the chupacabra actually came from Puerto Rico in 1995, making it one of the newest creatures in cryptozoology, and the name chupacabra was first coined. So the name literally translates to goat sucker in Spanish, which is where the name comes from. Uh, chupar is to suck, and cabra is goat. So, uh, But make sure not to say uh, chupacabras, because huh. it, it could, could be something a little bit different than okay. goat sucker. You have to be kind of safe sense. about Makes that. Sense. Yeah, Some UFO enthusiasts wanted first wanted the name uh, to be EBAS, E-B-A-S, which was basically translated to a Spanish acronym that w- meant alien biological entities. Kind of boring. And some were very convinced that these creatures were from space at first, which we'll get into a little bit later. But the comedian... Silverio Perez was the first to give it its name, the Chupacabra, and after that, the name stuck. Actually came from a comedian. Yeah. Interesting. I I never knew that, actually. So the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is if you're not familiar with what cryptids are, you want to enlighten everybody? Like, what's a cryptid versus, like, just a normal animal? Right, yeah, so it's a bit debated topic of what a cryptid actually is. Um, It's essentially a a creature or animal that exists that scientifically we don't agree that it exists. Right, right. Like That's essentially some people think it exists. Others are like scientifically there's no evidence that it actually exists. So exactly. It's kind of in this limbo stage. Uh, I mean, and to be fair, if you were to go ask, you know, a wildlife biologist, it'd be like, That's a pseudoscience. You know, there's no right. you yep. know, it's the same as like saying aliens are real kind of thing. Yeah. And they even say like you know, aliens are not cryptids, but they even say like woolly mammoths are cryptids, even though they once existed and were proved to exist on Earth. Since science has deemed them extinct, they are technically now a cryptid because, you know, if you saw one walking about, that would be the cryptid. Well, and then and the other thing, too, is that cryptids aren't mythological creatures like they're not it's not the same as like a unicorn or something that's like in mythology yeah not a pegasus right right it's cryptids are based on real scientific creatures that exist that we have evidence for um because if you look at other cryptids they're usually a cross of multiple things or there's you know some other element to it whether it be alien or something like that or it's just a species that we've never identified before um and so you know it kind of falls into that category there's like cryptozoology where people that's all they do is they look for these types of creatures you know we've covered a number of them like the the biggest being bigfoot obviously yeah and you know there's tons of people who've like dedicated their lives to you know finding bigfoot and claim to have evidence and things like that and so yeah it's it's a very interesting field i mean a lot of people are like don't believe in it whatsoever right but at the same time you know as we'll get into a little bit later there's a very real possibility there are creatures out there that are still you know unidentified and undiscovered yeah. so so in march of 1995 eight goats were the first animals killed by the chupacabra and their carcasses were found in their pens drained of all their blood soon hundreds of reports flooded into local tabloids for several months at least 150 animals were killed this way and some claim that up to 1,000 died so obviously when that many animals are dying 
and they're finding their carcasses with no blood in it. I mean, that's very concerning. And so the locals really began panicking. Soon, veterinarians studied some of the corpses, and they noticed that many of the dead animals had around three puncture wounds the size of a drinking straw. And also, these wounds dug about three to four inches into the neck. Whatever had attacked these animals most likely dug its fangs deep into these goats and drank their blood until the carcasses were empty. For some locals, this wasn't the first time that they had actually seen attacks like this, especially in the town of Mocha in Puerto Rico's northwestern region. February of 1975, the Vampiro de Mocha, or the Vampire of Mocha, killed 15 cows, three goats, and two geese, as well as one pig. Which obviously, in a lot of places in the world, there's tons of stray dogs running around. So at first, these attacks were blamed on just the stray dogs in the area. But the locals noticed that the wounds were found on top of the cattle's skull. And canines usually attack the necks or stomachs. Later, gossip spread that it was actually a group of local Satanists that killed and drained the animal's blood so they could use it for blood rituals. These attacks were soon forgotten until two decades later when the attacks once again started up in 1995. The government put several civil defense officials in charge of investigating these attacks. The photographs taken of the goats showed distinct puncture wounds in the goat's neck, chest, and face. When they interviewed the locals, many had their own stories to tell. One of the first eyewitnesses was a woman named Madeline Tolentino. One night, during the second week of August 1995, she stood outside her house in Canovanas. She described the creature as a bipedal beast with dark eyes. And she described the eyes as damp and protruding, running up to its temples and spreading to the sides. Its arms were drawn back, like it was ready to attack, and it reeked of sulfur. Sharp spikes came out of its back and ran up and down its spine. She noticed some mysterious round marks near its torso, and that region of its body seemed ashen, like it had recently been burned there. Its skin around the burn mark was dark purple, but where the skin had burned off, it was pinkish. Madeline was curious enough to get down on the ground and look to see if the beast had genitals, but it had nothing there. She said it was plain and sealed. The creature then turned away, hopped into the nearby road, and then disappeared into the tall grass on the other side. After this first sighting, her story hit the local news, and the chupacabra panic spread like wildfire across Puerto Rico. In the town it was first spotted, some claimed that the creature was seen by locals every night for four weeks straight. People began setting up traps and barbed wire fences some even went out at night to try and find the predator, or possibly its nest. And as the months passed, other eyewitnesses gave different descriptions of the beast. A man named Messiel Negron Melendez told officials what he saw one fall night in 1995. Messiel had been standing on a second-story balcony when he noticed something moving on the far railing. It was almost too dark to see, but the thing looked almost human as it stood on two legs. He watched it for a moment, trying to figure out who or what it was. At first, he thought it was an intruder, but he could tell by the dark silhouette that it was something else, and he took a few steps closer, and that's when he noticed that the creature was unlike anything he'd ever seen before. This thing stood over five feet tall, had round, red glowing eyes, and looked similar to a gargoyle. Two massive fangs jutted from the top row of teeth, and two more came out from the bottom. 
Messiel retreated back into his home, hoping the strange creature would eventually go away. It didn't seem aggressive or violent, but it wasn't done with him. When Messiel looked toward the balcony window, he noticed the red glowing eyes looking back at him. Luckily, the creature was only there on the railing, out of curiosity, or it might have been looking for prey. But it eventually wandered away, and Messiel never saw it again. With each eyewitness report, the creature's description changed as the months passed. One young college student saw a chupacabra about three feet tall with black eyes in the shape of eggs. Like the others, it had large fangs, but its back was arched, and foot-long spikes that looked like bones or cartilage ran down its back. Others reported seeing a large ape-like beast that could run on two legs. Others said it hopped like a kangaroo. One story from late 1995 claimed that a chupacabra burst through a glass window of their child's bedroom and eviscerated a nearby teddy bear thinking it was a small animal. When the creature finally retreated, it left behind small traces of bloody meat from a previous kill and a strange puddle of slime on the bed. Many of the hundreds of sightings were later discredited and skeptics claimed that the fear caused by the media made their imaginations run wild. Others thought it was just an aftershock from the summer blockbuster titled Species, which was about an attractive alien-human hybrid that successfully mates with a human male. What a fun movie that sounds <laughs> yeah, like. we should watch it. Yeah. It released in theaters only one month before the Chupacabra sightings took off. Others said the sightings might have been the rhesus monkeys that run wild on an island off the eastern coast. They're mostly isolated on what's called Project Monkey Island, but there is a chance that some could have escaped and made it to the main island of Puerto Rico. They're known to be aggressive and better watch out because they also carry herpes B, which can be deadly to humans upon contact. In the 1930s, these monkeys were brought to Puerto Rico for research purposes, so they're an invasive species. Today, they completely control the small island where roughly 2,000 of them live. There's a chance some locals just saw a rhesus monkey at night and thought it was a chupacabra but that didn't explain the livestock being killed and drained of their blood. So even the mayor of Canovanas, Jose Quimo Soto, spent an entire year hunting for the chupacabras. So they took this very, very seriously. He actually gathered up armed militia week after week and rode around the region in trucks, looking for any strange creatures lurking in the dark. But they ended up coming up with nothing. Whatever beast was terrorizing the area had moved on to other regions in Puerto Rico. All across the island, people were waking up to find their sheep, chickens, and guinea pigs dead and drained of all their blood. And chupacabra sightings kept pouring in. Even two years after the media craze of 1995, similar attacks killed 30 pigs in 1997, but no one could figure out what the predator might have been. And this mystery spread from Puerto Rico to the surrounding regions. These eyewitness reports eventually got to Chile, Nicaragua, Mexico and the southern United States. So there are literally hundreds of thousands and possibly millions of species that have yet to be discovered, which kind of blew my mind when I looked into this. Some estimate there are almost 9 million species on Earth, but we've only discovered 1.2 million. What? Isn't that insane? And I swear to God, you only can check, check my sources on this. This is like National Geographic. Oh my God. Yeah. How is that even possible? Doesn't it? I think... I think it was more like smaller as, as far as sure. predators go. We, we kind of have creatures. mapped out a lot of predators, but yeah, smaller creatures, 
Um, that's crazy, though. That's a lot. Isn't that a shitload? So where are they? They're that, all either too small that we don't notice them. Too small or in just in regions that uh, are largely unexplored. Yeah, like imagine imagine uh, uh, the Amazon or something, right? right? right. Like I know there's, there's a just, ton of stuff there that we don't so know. It's so deep and we just have barely scratched the surface in there. God, we barely know shit about our planet, though, because yeah. like the amount of uh, of the ocean that's unexplored is ridiculous. Amount yeah, too. think about all that. Yeah, everything that we haven't discovered down there as well. There's just so much we still don't know. Yep. So, so how do we know that there's no chupacabra? Right? Exactly. Yeah. How do we know there's no Bigfoot? Exactly. Yeah. And so, is it possible that some of these creatures that are undiscovered are actually far more intelligent than maybe even more intelligent than us? I mean, there's a possibility there could be you know, intelligent in a different way, maybe not conscious in the way that we are, but intelligent in a way where they can just almost be invisible yeah, to us. Avoid researchers, avoid detection. Yeah, absolutely. That's wild. Yeah. About a decade ago, a group of Yale ecologists put together what's called a map of life, which is a huge database of every discovered species. You should go check it out if you get the chance. It's called map of life. Huh? Last year, they decided to try and create a map where life has yet to be discovered. So instead of oh, trying cool. to compile all of the species that we know about, they're now trying to compile possibly what we don't know and where they are in the world. So the idea behind that is that, unfortunately, a lot of species that we have yet to discover sadly will most likely be extinct by the time we right. discover there's them. There's so few of them and just because of all the things affecting the wildlife out there that yeah, they th won't even make it. Yep. Think of like the rapid changing, you know, climate change is contributing to the extinction of a lot of animals that we might e never see with our own eyes. You know, we'll just find fossils or traces of them later. Yeah, that's wild. So they estimate that around 10 to 20% of species on earth have been formally described throughout earth's entire history so only 10 to 20 percent possibly i mean those those numbers can go back and forth but that is a small amount that we've discovered it really is and if you take a look at this map that they're developing uh, there is a small percentage in southern texas uh, decent percentages in puerto rico plenty of under undiscovered species and plenty of undiscovered species in central and south america so really, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that crazy of an idea no. to think that the chupacabra or whatever this is that's killing these these livestock animals is some it's potentially like, undiscovered yeah. species. Yeah, it's not that crazy of a thought. You don't have to get that's that's a really interesting point because I think a lot of people's skeptical thoughts regarding cryptids is like it, it just sounds so un you know unrealistic yeah. for a creature like this to exist because they're comparing it to everything that we know about currently they're like oh that doesn't you know that doesn't make any sense for you know this creature to be able to suck blood out of a carcass without you know and, and disappear without a trace right but at the same time it's like well when you consider how many species are still out there undiscovered it's very possible that something like that could exist yeah and i mean we're we're discovering new species every every day so not it's a that. big planet. That's the thing you, you forget about is like just how big this planet is and, huge. and especially the areas where it's difficult to get to for us humans, just how much life is there. I mean, in all places of the earth, you know, from the deserts to the plains to the, the rainforests and things like that. There's, I mean, I think about how much life is actually under our feet 
at any given time that we just never see because it's underground. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the forest is a logical place. There's a lot of places for animals to hide in the forest. So, you know, there's probably a lot that just evade us. Right. I mean, a lot of times when scientists are discovering new species or new plants, things like that, they just kind of stumble upon it or they just happen to, to see it. Right. So you, you got to think that there's got to be creatures out there. So, you know, intelligent to the point where they, you know, maybe they're, they've evolved to the point where their hearing is just like, they can hear and smell things even farther than, you know, a dog or something like that, where it's able to detect human activity and, and basically disappear from sight before a human would ever even remotely come close to crossing paths with it. And that's what, that's when I think about cryptids, I'm like, that's what I tend to think of is like, I think people are maybe getting glimpses, but then imagination's taking over in a lot of cases. And so they're creating, you know, or they're referencing somebody else's description to try to help them make sense of what they're seeing. But in reality, they might be seeing something that is completely new. And I don't know. I, I think the possibility for cryptids is a, is a very real one and a very, there's a high probability that some of these cryptids might actually exist. Yeah. I think most people think of cryptids as like kind of fantasy creatures or something that's like wild that, yeah. you know, it's a cross between a, a, a goat and a, and a yeah. bat and a, and an alien and a, you right. know, cause those are the more fantastical things. But I think, you know, if you come back to earth a little bit, yeah, absolutely. Like there's, there's almost, I don't know. You think about something like, um, what was, uh, that weird dog looking thing sorry are you talking about the um one that washed up on the shore no it was a it went extinct but they actually have film footage of it It, but it looks like something out of out of like prehistoric yeah Uh, it went extinct a while back but they still have this this famous footage from it it's called a it's called a thylacine have you seen those things it it looks like it's almost fake and when you watch the this old black and white footage of it. Yeah. It looks like a fake animal. It definitely looks like a cryptid. Um, I wonder, yeah. And I wonder how many, how many creatures that we believe are extinct are really not extinct too. Yeah. And those count as cryptids actually. That's That's like technically interesting. Yeah. I I just saw that they, they made a a marine biologist made contact with a shark. That's like super, super old, like hundreds of years old and they never see them. Because they're way, way deep in the ocean, but like one got came up shallow enough where they actually captured it on camera. I can't remember what the name of the shark is. I think it's like a Greenland shark or something, but they're like hundreds and hundreds of years old. I mean, it makes me wonder, especially in the ocean, like if prehistoric life is still there. Oh, yeah. And it's just so deep. I mean, the ocean's extremely deep, so it's very possible it just hangs at depths that we never get to. One of my biggest fears is the ocean. Yeah, that's just terrible. because of that, that the thought, unknown of the unknown and really trying to grasp how big it actually is and how deep it actually is. I can't really fathom when it. you're in it, especially and you let yeah. your mind go there. And yeah. like whenever I get in deep water and I can't see the bottom, I start my mind immediately goes to what's under me. Yeah. And I always Same. think and I always remember I've watched too much Shark Weeks where <laughs> they're talking about how great whites hunt and great whites hunt by like coming go deep and up because they like to jump out of the water. Oh, so I always sweet. have this fear running through my head that there's like a great white stalking me from below and I can't see it. And any moment the shark's just going to come up and like take me up out of the water and God. rip me in half. But I mean, that's 
<laughs> usually not what happens. They're yeah. they're intelligent animals and they usually cruise around and check out what they're what they're hunting before they actually do the full move. Yeah. But I have that kind of same fear. It took me a long time to get over the fear of of the ocean as well. Of like, yeah. you know, and and I think it took me like looking at the statistics for shark attacks and things like that to really like kind of get over. I think it's, you're, it's rare. It's very yeah. rare to be to be you know, and, and a lot of times it's surfers and things like that that are out in deeper water and things like that. Um, yeah, you're more likely to die in like a car accident. Yeah, stuff, ex- but, exactly. You just have to tell yourself that I could die on the way to McDonald's. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, I have a higher chance. Legendary. Of, yeah. um, and with, that, that. with that said, maybe, I mean, maybe best case scenario is that I, if I'm going to go out, maybe a great white just surging up out of the water <laughs> is a cool way to go. I just be like, hopefully someone gets on footage at least. <laughs> yeah. You know, at least yeah. there's footage of it somewhere. <laughs> But anyways, after the Puerto Rican sightings, the media frenzy surrounding the Chupacabra died down for a while. But almost a decade later, it ramped right back up again. Some of the most recent sightings of the Chupacabra have come from Texas. In 2004, some Texan ranchers noticed their livestock was being mysteriously killed at night in the town of Elmendorf. A local rancher named Devin McAnally shot and killed the beast in August of that year. It was about 20 pounds and it had a severe overbite and bluish skin that was mostly hairless. Kind of what they compared to an elephant skin, in a way. It became known as the Elmendorf Beast. But experts at the University of California ran DNA tests that confirmed it was just a hairless coyote. Multiple cases of chupacabras were later reported across the state. And while most predators eat their prey, because what else is the point other than play with, you know, just murder shit for fun... These attacks left the dead carcasses at the scene with giant holes in their necks and faces. Chickens would be found sprawled across the dirt floors of their coop with their carcasses intact, and there'd be no blood found at the scene. The ranchers thought these attacks might have been from a creature they had never seen before. And just like in Puerto Rico 1995, chupacabras had another boom in eyewitnesses almost a decade later in Texas. Many of those reports ended up just being hairless animals or strange-looking canines. So right now, I'm going to play you a clip of somebody who claims to have caught a real chupacabra. Deep in the backwoods of South Texas, you never know what might be lurking around the corner or in your tree. And he saw this strange animal sitting up here eating corn. In Ratcliffe, a small town in DeWitt County, residents are certain they found the mythical, despicable chupacabra. And this time, it's alive. Jackie Stock says her husband caught the creature Sunday night. He called me to come and look, and I said, Bubba, that looks like a baby chubacabra. With its hairless back, large claws, countless teeth, and ferocious growl, many would say this animal fits the bill. You know, I hunted coons, you know, 20 years with dogs and all that, and I ain't never seen nothing look like that right there. Parma says one of the big signs it's not a raccoon is its growl. Coon don't make that noise or a possum. What makes that noise? I guess chupacabra does. I don't know. <laughs> Here in DeWitt County, most people are convinced this is the elusive chupacabra. But what do wildlife experts have to say? The animal in the cage, as best I can tell from the view, was some form of a small canine. 
Brent Ortigo, a biologist with Texas Parks and Wildlife, says a canine can include a coyote, dog, or even a fox. He says the animal most likely has mange, which has caused it to lose its hair. But as for a chupacabra, well, he thinks otherwise. It's never been proven to be uh, a unique species. It was always something out there that allegedly either caused harm or threatened to cause harm to Chupacabra or not, right now this little guy is staying at the stock household, living off a diet of cat food and corn. At least until someone can find out what it really is. We've never seen anything like that on our place before. In Ratcliffe, I'm Janelle Bluda, KVU News. Wow, what a clip. <laughs> so many things to say about that one. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think two things really give it away. Uh, one, it's if you've ever seen a raccoon eat food, it's it looks like you know it picks yeah, it up with like its hands. hands and yeah, and so this guy up. does, and, and then, they sit on their like kind of back legs like that. Right, too. exactly. Yeah. And the other thing, which I I just noticed when we rewatched it here, uh, they're feeding it cat food. Where I'm like, <laughs> hold on, I thought a chupacabra was a like, sucking blood. Yeah, why would you give it cat food? Yeah. Well, one of the things for me that just doesn't line up with the chupacabra is there's I don't see any fangs protruding. There's a big from one, its yeah. Mouth, you know, it's and it's small. This is like <laughs> this. This to me is like a raccoon with mange or yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is so funny because they they bring this. First of all, that you know everybody, especially international, you watch this clip. This is like texas in a nutshell right here like this is what everybody thinks of like texas people is is the people bubba you know you gotta you gotta love it you know that guy's had a few beers amazing morning yeah Yeah. (laughs) amazing clip but this thing's way too small to be a chupacabra like it's funny that this made the 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 news there though right and i think this it's videos like this that kind of turn people off from like okay this clearly is oh yeah this is just hilarious honestly yeah this this is a what do you even do with a coon like that though right if it is a raccoon, it's got kind of a, a dog face though to it, it like does. a canine face. Yeah. So I'm like, is this like a hybrid creature? Did they ever figure out what that creature was? No, and it's weird that their quote unquote like scientists that worked on it was like, it was probably a canine. Well, it's like a canine, <laughs> yeah. but I've never seen a canine use have like little hands like that. No, it almost looks like a canine and a raccoon got together, and yeah. that was the result. <laughs> and then it's and then it got mange or something, uh, which causes it to lose all its hair yeah yeah that's a but if i saw that just outside in my yard or something i'd probably think it was a chupacabra too I'd honestly be a like i'd be like what the hell is yeah, this thing i'd definitely be a little spooked so even though there were many false claims over the years people were still certain that the chupacabra was out there preying on local livestock in cuero texas 2007 a rancher named phyllis canyon spotted what looked like a chupacabra at the edge of her property She'd been driving along a dirt trail across her property when she spotted something in the grass. It crawled around in a clearing just inside her fence line. She was pretty familiar with the nearby predators, but she claimed it didn't look like anything that she'd ever seen before. She made sure to keep her distance when she stepped out of her truck to get a closer look. The creature also kept its distance. When it noticed her, it trotted off a little further toward the edge of the property. She tried to follow it, but it kept inching away from her the closer she got, until eventually, it faded into the dark. A few nights later, Phyllis made a horrific discovery. She noticed that something had snuck into her chicken coops, killed the chickens, but left the bodies. Most predators in the state of Texas would tear apart the body and consume it. I mean, wouldn't you want the meat? 
Or they would drag the body to an isolated location and then eat it, you know, at that point. But whatever this predator was, was simply just leaving the lifeless bodies in the coop. And just like the other ranchers, Phyllis noticed the strangest thing was that there was no blood whatsoever. Besides the dried blood caked around the fatal wounds, the surrounding area had no trace of any red pools sucked into the dirt. Each of the chickens had been attacked in the thorax area of the throat. Some feathers were missing, but the entire carcass was still intact. Over the next few weeks, 27 of her chickens died in the same way, and whatever it was, it had no interest in eating the meat. It only wanted the chicken's blood. Phyllis's neighbors soon mentioned she probably had a chupacabra problem. Whatever this beast was, she could finally put a name to it, and she wasn't the only one to report this creature near her property. Other sightings were reported in other rural cities across Texas, and some of the cities were over 100 miles away. Soon enough, Phyllis would get an up-close view of one. Only a few weeks later, on Saturday morning around 7 a.m., she got a call from one of her neighbors. He told her that someone had accidentally hit and killed a strange-looking animal on the road at the edge of her property. Phyllis hopped in her truck and headed down toward the county road where the animal had been killed. At the edge of her property, she spotted a dark creature lying dead on the side of the road. She got out of the truck, grabbed an empty feed sack from the trunk, and cut it in half. She set it on the ground and dragged the carcass on top of it. The strange beast was about the size of a medium dog, and it had almost no hair on it. So we mentioned mange before, um, and many skeptics of chupacabras often claim that these are just hairless animals or nearly hair, hairless animals that right. suffer from mange. So mange is a skin disease caused by microscopic mites. And these tiny little mites, they multiply quickly and they can cause serious health problems to the host. One of the big symptoms is hair loss and irritated skin. It's usually caught from other wild animals or other pets. Some mites are normally found on dogs, but in maybe small, safer numbers. You know, if you have a dog that's constantly outside, it's, it's not that uncommon. But there are two forms of contagious mites that can infest an entire household of people, pets, furniture, wow. carpets, bedding. It can get, these things can get everywhere. Some of the most obvious signs of mange are like a dandruff like flakes on the animal sometimes if you look close enough you can actually see these tiny little mites mites moving around yeah it's kind of disgusting symptoms are hair loss intense itching swollen feet sometimes the canines can even lose all of their fur they can also suffer from constricted blood vessels fatigue and exhaustion and this kind of plays into the if these are chupacabra sightings since they're fatigued and exhausted and debilitated by this disease. The predators that suffer from mange might target livestock as easy prey. So they wonder if, the, but why not take the meat? Exactly. That's why the big kill question. the animals and not take the meat? Yeah. That's What's the, big the point of that? You're not going to be able to sustain yourself, especially if you're in poor health yep. with just blood. Yeah. Got to get that protein, baby. Exactly. You know? yeah. Like you're not, that, that's what's weird to me is like, why would these, you know, mange coyotes just be, or mange stray dogs be trying to just pull the blood out. And how are they doing that? Right. Yeah. That's right? kind of terrifying. Unless their fangs are straws. How are you getting that blood out? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's a big old mystery. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. But mange looks absolutely 
horrific. Yeah, it's very it's scary. If you've ever seen a dog with mange. Yeah. I have two that are outside most of the day. And I'm always like worried if they're going to bring in some parasite or something from oh, inside. Yeah. And luckily, I don't have like a lot of, because a lot of those mites and things like that, I feel like are in, you know, brush or trees or, you know, obviously in Colorado, we have ticks and things like that. Yeah. And I'm always like, ugh bringing one of those into the bed or something and then yeah, it makes its way be, over to me it's like oh that'd be scary an even yeah. better host here yeah right now your dog should be fine though because a lot of the times it's when you come in contact with other animals that have these mites so that's you, true they'll most likely be fine if they're just hanging out in the backyard and medications too right yeah, like yeah. your you know you give them the little chewables and stuff yep uh every so often and that helps keep the ticks and fleas off of them and i think it does other mites as well yep but god have you seen bot flies though have you has your dog ever gotten a bot fly no are those the ones that dig into the skin yeah it they create open wounds yeah bernie had one oh yeah on his stomach and i don't even know how i think it was like he picked it up off of tall grass um is oftentimes where they where they kind of hang out and he you know he had this like wound and it was just like it's nasty because it like pulses i'll put in a clip of it so (laughs) warning it is it's nasty looking (laughs) like it's like this open wound yeah they burrow themselves in um and then basically grow into a fly and then fly out of this open wound hell no and it's not a big deal like you just you know you can do it yourself pull it out yourself but i took him into the the vet and one of the vet techs like I was like, oh yeah, we can get it out. And then just like, it's like a pimple. You like kind of squeeze it and then you just pull it out. And it was literally like a little larva thing. But it was like moving around and like breathing and like, yeah, it was nasty. Did you squish it? No, no. But I watched them. They're like, oh yeah, we'll take care of this for you. I was like, yeah, I don't want to ever see that again. I might actually have a a photo of it on my phone and I'll I'll put it in here of, of Bernie's bot fly. But Bernie was like, it wasn't a big deal. It's weird. Like they didn't even, he didn't even know it was there. Wow. So it doesn't like necessarily cause like pain for them. I think over time it can, I caught it earlier on that it wasn't like, but you know. they're much bigger than, than like ticks. Oh yeah. Oh right. yeah. It's like much they're bigger. pretty big. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're like, um, I'd say like almost like a size of a pill. Yeah. Like a pill or sunflower seed. Like yeah. they're, they're decently big, but it's just nasty. Cause then you pull it out and they just have this like little hole in them. Do they, do they, will they do that to humans too? I don't think so. Okay. But I might have to do a little inspection when I get home. Yeah. On myself. I mean, you, you can tell like that they have it like, cause it starts, they, they make their way in and they just start opening up this bigger and bigger hole Oof. in your animal. Yeah. Disgusting. Phyllis and her neighbors had seen the different types of mange while working on the ranch. But as far as they could tell, this creature wasn't suffering from any kind of mange. Some of the neighbors had even shot and killed mangy coyotes in the recent past, but it was rare to find any that had all of their hair gone, like the one Phyllis found. Animals that suffer from mange usually still have patches of fur, so the beast that Phyllis found seemed like a hairless animal, but she couldn't tell what kind. Some thought it might have been a Zolo dog, or a Mexican hairless dog. Many believe that this animal is often mistaken for the chupacabra, but the creature that Phyllis found looked more grotesque as the skin was dark and tough, much like an elephant's. Its stomach was large and bloated, like it had just ate a hearty meal, and it had long fangs pointing out of its mouth, much larger than a normal. 
dog's canine teeth. She ended up taking a skin sample from the carcass and she sent it in for a DNA analysis. She also sent skin samples to a pathologist to check if the animal had a skin disease. She also sent a bit of its hair to another researcher to compare it to the Puerto Rican hair samples that they believed were from Chupacabras, and she waited for weeks for the results. Meanwhile, she removed the creature's head and froze it so she could get other specialists to study it. Several cryptozoologists actually visited her property to try and find any evidence of another creature or catch a live chupacabra. They set up traps filled with bloody meat and live chickens, hoping that they would attract the bloodthirsty creatures. They even spread out coyote urine near their video cameras and motion sensors, and they planted machines that simulate live animal calls to try and lure whatever predators might be out on the property at night. But they had hundreds of acres to cover, and there were other animals that roamed around the property. In the end, all they found was a possum, an armadillo, and a few scratch marks on a fence post. Later, the lab results came back and the hair sample was confirmed to be a type of canine. The Puerto Rican hair samples were also confirmed to be canine. The lab technicians thought that these were most likely from a dog. As for the skin sample, the lab couldn't rule out mange, since the animal had been dead for too long after the sample was collected. But the results showed that this creature did have a full coat of fur at one point. Around the same time, other photographs of alleged chupacabras were sent to labs at Texas A&M to compare bone structures. Many of their fangs were larger than regular dogs, but after dental and DNA comparison, the other animals were confirmed to be domesticated dogs except for Phyllis Canyon's discovery. The DNA sample of the creature she had found matched with a coyote on the maternal side, but on the paternal side, it matched with a Mexican wolf. So the animal was indeed confirmed hybrid. This was very odd since these species rarely produce offspring together, but it wasn't impossible. These two species are known to overlap in places like Arizona, Texas, and northern Mexico, even though it's very rare. I dove a little bit into hybrid species, and there are more than I thought there were in the world, especially in places like northern Canada. There's a cross between a grizzly bear and a polar bear. Sometimes they're called Growlers. That's or, scary. Or pizzly bears. Yeah. A pizzly bear. Yeah, right. That doesn't sound as scary as it probably is in real life. Was this like in nature or Yeah, they found these Wow. In nature. Yeah. Grizzly and a polar bear together. Yep. There's a thing called a zonkey, which is a cross between a zebra and a donkey. I've I've seen those before. Nice. Uh a whale and a dolphin, a wolfin, a cow and a yak, which is a zhou, a camel and a llama, which is a kama. And one of the more famous ones, if you've seen Napoleon Dynamite, is the Liger, which is the first time my I personal ever heard favorite of love ligers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the rule of thumb is that if two creatures can't produce offspring, then they're not the same species. So basically, long story short, the more different animals are from each other, the less compatible their DNA is. Even though we're very similar to chimpanzees. We like, couldn't like cross with a chimpanzee. Yeah, let's say if I tried to mate with one, we're not gonna <laughs> Please successfully. Don't. Yeah, I won't. I won't try, uh, and you shouldn't either. But we couldn't. We can't produce offspring. offspring yeah, but Which, thank God that would be scary. Oh if, God, if, if we could like cross anything. Yeah, we think chupacabras are scary. Imagine just a a humanoid chimpanzee running around. Oh my God, or like a gorilla gator. Now we're talking. That would be crazy. <laughs> That would be insane. Yeah, I just forget about King Kong. Yeah, (laughs) I would stop going outside. (laughs) Well, that's the thing is like, 
you'd have all kinds of problems. There'd be too many predators. Yeah. The predators, like the whole food chain would get completely Man. fucked. Like, okay, now it's got me thinking great white shark with an elephant. How, first, I don't know how that would go down. How would a white, <laughs> great white shark ever come in contact with an elephant? We'd have to do it in a lab. Yeah, I guess if you were in a lab. God, there's a, I think there's a movie called uh, cap, The Cabin in the Woods or something. I don't know if you've ever seen oh, that yeah, movie. Yeah. And, that's a great and one. like, yeah. you know, they're doing like this experiment on everybody in there, but then the, the company that's behind it is like yep. crossbreeding all of these. Of shit. High, yeah, and this shit scene. gets wild. Yeah. And like, yeah, that movie's like, what the fuck? I love that movie. But it, it plays out that a lot of those scenarios, like if you were to cross like a bat with this, so that, you know, a bat and a wolf. Would that give you a chupacabra? There you go. Possibly. Hmm. But yeah, it's 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 essentially impossible. Scientifically, it's yeah, we possible. can't do it, unfortunately, or fortunately. But within the same species is a different story, though. So that's yeah. why you can get. I mean, that's why we have all these dog breeds now, right? All exactly. These- yeah, and and like if we we actually Neanderthals, uh, we existed together with Neanderthals, Homo sapiens Neanderthals yeah. existed around. 45,000 years ago and we share roughly two, 4% DNA or something along those lines. We were able to, to cross breed with a Neanderthal um, because our species were very similar. We're essentially almost the same, right? So that's why in theory, if a chupacabra, in theory, if a chupacabra does exist, a lot of people think it's some sort of hybrid canine, mm. like coyote, dog, wolf, yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I don't see why it's out of the realm of possibility. Right. I mean, I'm sure numbers-wise, probably not a huge amount of, of them out there Super if they do rare. exist, but yeah. it does seem, doesn't seem like, it, I don't know if you could rule it out and say it's impossible for this to happen. Right. I mean, if you were to ask someone on the street if, if, you've ever even heard of a cross between a grizzly bear and a polar bear they'd probably be like get the fuck out of here but they actually exist like they've discovered those but i guess if you were to to consider the puerto rican version of the chupacabra if you look at that one there's clearly some like amphibian influences there right it's more it's reptile influences it's a bit harder to say that that would be a hybrid animal because you have a lot of things going on you have the the ridged spine back with yeah, unless it's just an alien. undiscovered creature yeah completely yeah that uh and that's scary to think about yeah that'd <laughs> that, be that thing's real because that thing's terrifying but after phyllis got the lab results she still felt that something wasn't adding up even if the creature was a hybrid she wondered why the predator was just sucking the blood out of the chickens and leaving the carcasses the dna came back as coyote and mexican wolf but neither of those animals are known to suck blood Eventually, Phyllis brought the creature to be taxidermied, and when they mounted it on the stand, the taxidermist got a coyote mold and a wolf mold and then blended them together so the hide would fit. He noticed that the carcass's tail was longer than a wolf and a coyote's tail. Phyllis also had 13 different specialists to come look at this creature, and according to Phyllis, none of them could identify the animal. The only other higher vertebrae animal that has evolved to suck blood is the vampire bat, and this adaptation has taken millions of years to develop. It also takes very specific characteristics to work. Vampire bats have an anticoagulant in their saliva, and they also have a very distinct liver and kidney digestive system. So if this creature was just a hybrid animal, it would be extremely rare. 
but some argue that the chupacabra might not be a natural creature at all. It might actually be the result of a man-made accident. In southern Texas, some conspiracy theorists argue that coal-burning power plants might be to blame. These plants emit large amounts of sulfur dioxide and hard metals like lead into the atmosphere. In some scientific studies, scientists have discovered that sulfur dioxide is a mutagen. It has altered the cellular structure and genetic makeup of laboratory mice, especially their digestive system. In 1995, a group of school children in South Central Minnesota discovered dozens of frogs that were grossly deformed. Some had three legs or one eye, some even had multiple feet, or their bodies were contorted and twisted. It got to the point that deformed frogs were being reported across three different counties in Minnesota. So the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency began looking into the frogs and their eggs to see if they were exposed to something in their habitats. And they noticed that the frogs began their mutations in the tadpole stage. And over several years, scientists collected 13,000 northern leopard frogs. 6.5% of them had deformities, which was 4% higher than usual. Some areas had mutations as high as 67%. Scientists weren't sure if it was because of greenhouse gases, pesticides in the water, loss of wetlands, or parasites latching onto the tadpoles. It even might have been a combination of everything. But even the public became concerned about their drinking water, which rightfully so. And the local government in some counties began shipping bottled water to every household as a result. And after six years of research, there was still no explanation. And the lead scientists had to fight through layers of bureaucracy, of course. Most funding for the research was later cut off in 2001, and to this day, we still don't have an answer to the deformities. Some examples like this led to the theory that environmental problems could be mutating coyotes or other canines in the regions of South Texas. Which seems very possible to me, honestly. I mean, especially with the amount of oil rigging that's going on out there and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's pipelines everywhere. It's possible that some of these chemicals could be getting into the groundwater. For sure. I mean, even just thinking about, you know, what happened in uh, East Palestine, yep, in Ohio, and just thinking like, I mean, a, a report just came out the other day, 43,000 uh, fish and, uh, and other creatures have already died as a result of all of these chemicals being leaked, the vinyl chloride and things like that being leaked into the groundwater and, and the streams and everything. And so it's like, if animals are to drink of that, you know, are they, you know, they'll get sick and a lot of them will die, but is there possibilities that could affect their DNA? So when they do reproduce, you get deformities or, you know, some strange looking creatures. Exactly. Like that's pretty possible. So in South Texas, many believe that the mutated canines are the chupacabras. Some think these mutations also explain why the chupacabras look so different in separate places around the world, which actually makes, makes some sense. Other theories claim that the chupacabra creatures are actually alien life forms, and they were sent to the earth with the sole purpose of causing mayhem and entertaining the more intelligent aliens. Several UFOs were spotted around the same time that the chupacabras killed livestock in 1995, and many locals didn't think that it was a coincidence. An eyewitness in November 1995 once spotted a luminous disc landing on top of a local radio station. This was in Barranquitas, a small town in the center of Puerto Rico. The station's electronics actually went haywire when this thing landed, and one of the electronics that hadn't been used in 40 years mysteriously turned on even though it wasn't plugged in. No dead animals or chupacabras were spotted in the immediate area, but many believe this is one of the UFOs transporting the blood-sucking creatures to Earth. 
or these beasts might have been domesticated pets to the aliens, but they escaped the ships or got lost and couldn't return home. Others think that chupacabras might have been a science experiment from NASA. Supposedly, NASA wanted to genetically engineer a blood-sucking monster for whatever reason, according to the theory. And eventually, a NASA spokesperson, Brian Welch, later publicly denied this theory, saying, you know, this ain't what we doing here, all right? We're not making blood-sucking creatures. We're trying to, to go to Mars. Because it was starting to catch on. Brian Welch even mentioned, before this, it was the face on Mars, and before this, it was modifying the weather. Before that, we were beaming radiation from satellites to make people impotent. But still, the bizarre origin theories didn't stop, and they weren't exclusive to the U.S. government. At one point, Juan E. Lopez, the president of the Puerto Rico House of Representatives Agricultural Commission, opened an official investigation into the Chupacabra. They take it very seriously down in Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah. He hoped this would finally put the panic to rest, but it didn't. The more the government confronted the problem, the more traction the cryptid got in the media. Some also claimed that the Chilean military had once discovered a nest of chupacabra eggs and hid them away in an incubator inside a research facility. But Hurricane Hugo moved through the area in 1989 and the chupacabra hatchlings were said to have escaped when the storm hit the research facility. In the following weeks, local ranches were invaded and the livestock was found dead and bone dry in their pens. In Puerto Rico, many believe the creature was possibly some type of military bio-experiment. Since the island has had such a strong military presence since the 1930s, many of the bases were used as research and development facilities for several classified projects over the decades. So one of these projects might have actually been a failed cloning experiment that led to the creation of the chupacabra. Others believe they're the result of genetic manipulation experiments gone wrong. So disclaimer... I don't think any of the following info that I'm going to bring forward right now is verifiable, but I do think it's interesting. And this was a part of kind of in, mm. in tandem with this conspiracy this tin, tinfoil hat time a little bit. All little right. Bit. So, uh, time to put them on. So back in the 1960s, there was a Soviet era doctor. They're always Soviet era, aren't they? Of course. There was a Soviet era doctor named Cyan Kanchsen. He was from China, but later conducted his tests in the USSR. His goal was to transfer biological information with the use of microwave radiation through his device that's called a biotron. He wanted to see if it was possible to transmit DNA information from one living organism through an electromagnetic field into another living organism. At first, he started with just manipulating plants like wheat and corn, but then he eventually started testing on animals. So during this one supposed test in 1961, he took 1,100 chicken eggs. 600 were used as the control group, so they didn't do anything to them. He then irradiated 500 chicken eggs with bioinformation from a duck. Whoa. 480 of them hatched. 90% of those that hatched appeared to have a change in the arrangement of their eyes and 80% of them had flat, duck-shaped heads. 25% had webbing between their toes. None of these changes were observed in the control group, which they did nothing to. So hmm. In the 1980s, he then tried to send the bioinformation from young seedlings into older mice to see if they would regenerate. Supposedly, more than 60% of the treated mice ended up eating more food. They ran faster. They had smoother hair. 30% saw an increase in sexual activity and even had their reproductive functions restored. 
and their life expectancy was also increased by 50%. So it was kind of stories like these that, that creeped out and it made people think that what if the chupacabra might be a result of something like this biological. Like an experiment gone wrong. Exactly, yeah. Which it doesn't seem completely out of the realm of possibility. Obviously, we have virtually no evidence to really say, you know, that this type of thing has been going on. I mean, we, we've done cloning, though. We've cloned animals. So yep. if you consider that for a second, and then you also consider the fact that we now have the ability to edit genes, you know, we have gene editing going on um, for humans and things like that. It's like, is it out of the realm of possibility that there could be potentially classified projects going on within the government or military or even civilian companies that are looking into this for whatever reason, whether it be to develop some type of creature that could be, you know, the ultimate killing machine to be used in military operations. And they're trying to, you know, I mean, we know they do animal testing, which is horrific, but we know that that is going on. So it doesn't seem completely out of, out of, the realm of possibility for them to be tempting to cross different animals and edit their genetics and and try to create some type of hybrid creature that they could use to carry out operations uh, militarily. So that that to me is terrifying to think about for one because yeah. um, you know it kind of takes me to like Stranger Things, you know that right, whole yeah. concept of it. Or you know, is there the possibility that these are not creatures of this realm and in fact they are interdimensional creatures that you know a lot of times we aren't necessarily able to see because they're in another layer of reality i guess is the best way to put it or another dimension and therefore are able to cross through dimensions and so that's why we see them briefly much like ufo sightings happen you know you see ufos and then they're gone they disappear and it's like well where did they go and it's like well a lot of them can travel in between the dimensions and, you know, or different layers of light, things that, you know, we can only see so much. So is it possible that these things are crossing between different thresholds? That's just a, one of another theory that I've, I've heard. Some even think that the chupacabra might have been created specifically as a bioweapon. The idea was that the government would create as many as they could and unleash them onto the enemy's land. The purpose was to kill the enemy's livestock and make people fear going outside and kill off their food source. I mean, think about that. That'd be a great way to eliminate, you know, a lot of food for people is if you had a creature that just went around and killed all of it yep. and couldn't be caught. Conspiracy theorists believe that the U.S. government might be hiding thousands of chupacabras for this exact purpose. The ones that have already been released have been tracked to see how efficient they are. So the chupacabras that have been spotted are from test runs that are being monitored. One of the strangest theories about the chupacabra dates back to the idea that aliens sent these creatures to Earth to spread the HIV-AIDS virus. In the 80s and 90s, HIV-AIDS spread across the U.S., so some conspiracy theorists try to connect it to the blood-sucking beasts. That's a bit of a stretch, if you ask me. Another theory claims that these creatures aren't hybrid canines or alien life forms at all. They're actually human beings from the future. That's crazy. They are children sent back from the future to try and warn us about our behavior. Just like the frogs of Minnesota, one major chemical crisis will supposedly occur in the near future, and these chemicals will warp our genetic makeup so much that our children will evolve into monstrous human beings that look like chupacabras. Please, God, no. Yeah. <laughs> My God, that sounds like worst-case scenario there. But beyond the theories of aliens, bio-experiments, military conspiracies, or humanoids, some believe the chupacabra is a supernatural being that cannot be explained by science. 
A cryptozoologist named Nick Redfern once traveled to Puerto Rico to learn more about the beast. He eventually met up with a group of Puerto Ricans who had lived on the island for generations, and they told him that the chupacabra is a supernatural creature from another realm. And to see a chupacabra, one must perform specific rituals to conjure the beast. They told him about secret figures holding infernal rites in the dead of night. They sacrificed goats and chickens to invoke the blood-sucking chupacabra. They claim that it's easy to bring the chupacabra into this world, but it's much harder to get it to leave. And the ones you see crawling around at night are the ones they fail to send back to their realm. These supernatural beings can paralyze livestock just by looking at it. Supposedly, humans are more resistant to its eyes, but their glare can still make us nauseous and weak. Luckily, the chupacabras are sensitive to light, which is why they hunt at night. So if you ever come across one, you should shine a bright light. Get that iPhone flashlight out and hope you got enough battery. But even if you can't, the chupacabra has never attacked a human. So as long as the beast hasn't gained a taste for human blood, which let's hope that's not the case, I think you'll be a-okay. But the legend of the chupacabra has remained a mystery for the last three decades, and the creature is still spotted from time to time in different countries around the world. In recent years, sightings have even spread to the other side of the globe in Russia, the Philippines, and Ukraine, and anywhere livestock has died under mysterious circumstances with no blood at the scene. The chupacabra is always to blame. But no one knows whether this cryptid is actually an alien from outer space or a government bio-experiment gone wrong, a supernatural beast from another realm, or a hybrid canine unknown to science. We only know that if a chupacabra is out there somewhere, it's developed one of the rarest appetites on earth, which is that thirst for blood. Hmm, the idea of it being a supernatural or like I was kind of saying earlier, an intradimensional creature is is one that I always consider. And again, it's it's hard to, you know, when you say that, you sound absolutely insane. Because it's like, <laughs> what do you mean it's intradimensional, dude? There's no evidence for that. I'm like, yeah, no shit, there's how, no how evidence. How could there be? Yeah. We do know that there's multiple dimensions, so it's possible that these things are able to manipulate gravity on our, on our planet and able to move in between different dimensions or something like that. Or if you want to get really you know, superstitious, it's just something supernatural completely almost like a, a spirit so to speak and if you look at indigenous peoples from all over the world it's interesting that it's interesting that people report seeing the chupacabra in other parts of the world too it's not just puerto rico this you know texas um you know southwestern uh part of north america but in the philippines and things like that it's interesting so it's like is it the same creature or is it something that you know is there some type of su- supernatural being that comes to visit depending on what you're what you're doing and you know it's kind of just fallen under this name of chupacabra but i mean you look at like native american cultures and i I bring them up a lot because you know there's so much history there and just you know spirit animals and things like that are, are something that have you know been a part of of their belief system and culture for hundreds and thousands of years and so is it something like that, like some type of spirit animal or, you know, something that's conjured by somebody or through rituals or rites or something like that? Yeah, I'm a, I've, no, I've said this before and I know this is why people hate me on this podcast, but <laughs> I am more of a skeptic. So I, I think where my head goes is I'm more on board with uh, hybrid, hybrid creatures or possibly something natural. Like if, 
if this is found all over the world, it possibly could be regional changes or like we brought up, um, the vampire bat. It has taken a very long time to develop a taste for blood and to have the body to do that. I could, I could get on board with there being certain creatures out there that we have yet to discover that can suck blood as far as a supernatural chupacabra. It'd be my, sorry to jump in, but my thing with that is could a supernatural animal like that physically take blood from, you know, something here that's physical and living and kill it like that. Cause I mean, it's like, that would be so that'd terrifying. Be crazy. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be insane. <laughs> I mean, no humans have ever died from you know a spirit before, or, or a ghost, or a possession, or a haunting, or something like that. Right. So it's like, why in the animal realm would it be different? You know, yeah, if there was is, some that, type of supernatural animal. That is a good point too, because even the chupacabra has never been known to attack a human. So, but what the fuck is sucking these animals' blood in Texas? Then, yeah. What are the theories? It's a vampire bat. I. St- landing on it and i mean that would be possibly but like to get these widespread reports of this happening that's the one thing that has stumped me is the blood sucking aspect of it i could understand if livestock is dying and yeah things like that but i that's the one thing that stumps me i can't i don't even have a, a theory on why that's what's so weird about it i mean you could even go as far as saying like you look at like cattle mutilations, which we'll have to do an episode on in the future. And like, you know, this is not an isolated thing. Like the, the livestock and especially the goats having their blood sucked out and having the puncture wounds yeah. um, is kind of unique to the chupacabra. But then you go look at the, especially here in Colorado, there's a huge history of cattle mutilations happening. And you look at the, the way these, these cows die, they're often sucked of blood. And, and this, it's like a huge mystery in itself of like what it what wants the blood and so then that's where my mind goes is like well if there are aliens here or you know there's some you know there's some secret organization or otherworldly beings that are interested in in gathering our blood for some reason there's a resource for that um what for i don't know is i don't know if it's to study us to study life here on earth is it to is it some sort of driving force behind what they're doing or how they live or you know what is it what's the point of the blood yeah you know what i mean because they're leaving all that meat behind so why the blood only what what's the blood for kind of a waste right yeah it's like unless there's a bunch of like satanist aliens out there that are just like you know they doing blood rituals 24 7 and now we're talking here yeah now we're getting into some some really realistic stuff (laughs) i mean Talk about uh, worst nightmare. <laughs> Satanic aliens who just Alien, want our blood. Aliens doing blood rituals on humans. Like, yeah. hmm, that'll, that'll keep you up at night. What's Danny's take on yeah, this? Yeah, what do you think? I definitely don't think that it's Satanic aliens. Um, I, I'm kind of with Austin on this one. I do believe it's, if it does exist, it's probably more of a hybrid creature. But I am stumped on the blood sucking aspect. And I know you guys mentioned vampire bats a lot. Yeah what's interesting about that is that they're the only animal that's not an insect that can survive off blood. And if we go on that theory that maybe it was crossbred with a vampire bat, it seems almost impossible because a large vampire bat 
is two ounces. Yeah, right, they're very right. small. Yeah, and they're like, not taking that much blood. You yeah. know, they're taking milliliters. Yeah. So what has the capacity to take all the blood from a goat? I mean, a human. Do you think that this is a hoax? Do you think some of these guys hoax this? I think kill their own life. I think a lot of people probably did, especially when the media craze starts doing it. They're like, "Oh, I kind of, I want to." Everyone wants their fifteen minutes of fame, right? So I could totally believe that a lot of people would kill off some livestock just to get the local news to roll in. I'm not sure if that's always the case. Some people might have just had. Could it possibly have been that the blood? did drain out and people are lying about it i don't know yeah that's it's a hard thing it's like how much time elapses from when the animal dies you know like how much investigation is actually happening in a lot of these cases where you know people are reporting that the chupacabra attacked their livestock it's like it's always and that's the hard thing with cryptozoology it always seems like the investigations are murky the evidence is you know so so at best so it's like like why wouldn't you if you really thought that there was a chupacabra near your property i would be not only just to protect my animals but also if i actually did want 15 minutes of fame slap up some uh, night vision cameras all over the place even maybe even put a little pen far out there to yeah try to trap them in Yeah. yeah well apparently i mean it's clearly able to i mean the fact that it's able to get into a closed off chicken coop and get out without leaving a trace behind i mean that's what and that's where i kind of go into this idea of like this is something not of this realm that it has the ability you know is not bound by the physical constraints of our our reality and gravity and things like that and it's able to i mean because it's like usually when coyotes attack a chicken coop there's evidence of the coyotes how they got in Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they're able to dig under the fence. They're able to, you know, bust through somehow and get in, you know, it's not, you know, unless the, you know, the chupacabra is a teleporting, you know, hybrid animal that can yeah. just be like, Oh, I'm going to go right in here and then pop back out and nobody will ever see me. There's no evidence of my entry. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, well, what are these things? So it's like, either this is a hoax. Most of it's hoaxes and people sadly killing their own livestock for, what five minutes of fame like you were saying or this is something that has abilities that we just have never seen before and uh, which is oh shit yeah Yeah. maybe maybe we can't keep it out maybe i'm more of a skeptic because i don't want to live in a world that (laughs) shit just starts busting into coops and sucking the blood (laughs) out and leaving without a trace well and it would it would you know if it wasn't like a high, just a hybrid animal or something like that. It would also kind of explain how it showed up in that kid's room. Right. Yeah. Busting inside. Through. That's yeah. pretty aggressive. Which right? I think, I think it explained how he got into the house, but it, I don't know. I, I tend to let, you know, I'm, I'm very much a, like I live in La La land sometimes with some of this stuff, but like, I do like the idea of there being creatures out there that either are undiscovered have abilities beyond anything we've ever seen before, which I don't think is totally out of the realm of possibility. How yeah, do we know that I agree with things that. haven't evolved in a way that they're just, you know, we we always have considered ourselves as a top, we're at the top of the food chain for everything, right? We're at the very top because we can kill any animal on this planet and consume it if we wanted to. But what if there are animals that are beyond our capabilities and even our intelligence? You know, a lot of people say that Bigfoot 
um, or Sasquatch is very, very intelligent. And it's a, that's why it's always able to evade us is because it's, it just has, it's intelligence is really high. It's senses are really high. It's just evolved that way. And it's able to, you know, stay out of the lens. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, I hope that there are more intelligent beings out there compared to us. We're, we're not that smart really. At the end of the day, uh, some of us aren't, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> some are more than others, but so I, I leave, I, I leave it open to all sorts of possibilities. I, I do. I, I just don't understand. This would be a crazy hybrid animal that is capable of sucking blood and also somehow vanishing and, you know, stealth like and evading capture all these years. Or it's a hoax or it's some type of supernatural creature that just defies all explanation. Yeah. That's kind of where I leave it. I mean, cryptids are hard because it's like there's very little evidence to go off of that backs up the existence of the cryptid. But at the same time, there's all these experiences with it. There's all these sightings with it. So it's like unless you completely disregard all those people and say they're all full of shit, they all didn't see anything, they're all or they're making it up, which I think in some cases is true, but I think there is a large number of people where they actually do see shit that doesn't make sense, defies explanation. And so I, I don't think you can completely rule out, rule out the possibility of, of the Chupacabra or any cryptid for that matter. But yeah, that's just me. No, I'm on board with that. I, I wouldn't. So even though you're skeptic, you still leave it open to the possibility. You're not like this Absolutely. is all bullshit. This is like this is fantasy right here. What do you, what about you, Daniel? Are you? I mean, I definitely open? think there's a creature that's doing this to livestock. I don't mean to disagree with you, Austin, but I don't think farmers would be killing their own livestock just right. for 15 that, that seems 15. like a horrible waste of money exactly it just seems like a financial like exactly it's, it seems like a financial just death sentence i mean one cow goes for a couple grand and a, a goat goes for like five or six hundred bucks and if you're you know a farmer in puerto rico and you have that's your whole life that's your whole livelihood yeah. i don't think you're gonna kill a cow and suck all of its blood to ruin for all the what? meat for, for what does that even get you exactly ultimately right, that's, that's a good What's point the benefit I take of it? That, that was a dumb take on my part i take that one back <laughs> no but I, I don't think it's necessarily i think it's a pretty logical one to think you know because there are people do crazy shit and do stuff for attention purely it makes it defies all logical sense whatsoever you know but people do things for attention and you know it doesn't matter if it's completely detrimental to their situation yeah so I, I don't I, I think it's probably rare case that that would happen but I'm yeah. sure it's happened before. But yeah, that's a great point. You know, I don't see. So, so it's still, it leaves such a, this giant mystery here of what is killing these livestock. Yeah. What's sucking the blood from them? And is it a chupacabra or is it some undiscovered creature? Or maybe even it's some sort of genetic experiment gone wrong, cloning gone wrong or something. And there's just these wild hybrid creatures running around in the night, which, uh, definitely uh makes you question going out roaming in the in the dark for sure but uh i'm gonna leave it there for today but maybe you've had family who've told you stories of you know encountering a chupacabra especially if you're from texas I, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it and what do you think chupacabra exist yes or no let us know in the comments if you're watching on youtube but thanks again for joining us today for another episode of lights out podcast we'll see you next week with another dark one until then, lights out, everybody. <laughs>